Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, my name is Warren Esdale. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church, and I really do hope that you're having a wonderful Christmas time. I have to tell you, though, I'm a little bit stressed this Christmas. I'm just a little bit stressed. Uh, it's not one of the usual reasons that people get stressed at Christmas time. I'm stressed for quite a different reason. I don't know if you realise this, uh, but my wife, uh, Beth, uh, she's pregnant. Okay, we're, we're expecting our first child. It's brought a lot of stress, but that's not what I'm talking about. I, I, I'm stressed because, you see, that means that in just a little while, we're going to have this baby, and, and we're, I'm going to have to give it a name. We're going to have to give it a name. <laughs> Barry. Carmelite. No. But I, I, don't, I don't know if you realise why I would find that so stressed, stressful. But that would no doubt be because your name is not Warren. Okay, that's probably because your name doesn't mean place where rabbits live and breed. That's probably because you haven't had to put up with the rabbit jokes all of your life. 37 years of being asked, what do you call a man with a rabbit stuffed up, stuffed up his jumper? Warren! Oh, hilarious stuff. Or what about the one, what, what does a policeman need before he can search a rabbit's home? A, a search warrant. Oh, hilarious. You may laugh, you may laugh. I laughed too for the first 35 years. That's why I'm so stressed this Christmas. I'm stressed about choosing a suitable name for this poor baby because I know that one small mistake, one small slip up, and this baby is going to have to pay for it for the rest of its life. Now, now Beth and I, we've pretty much settled on a girl's name, okay? We, we, we agree there, but it's, it's boys' names that we can't agree on. Well, we, we mentioned our struggle uh, to find a boy's name, a suitable boy's name, to somebody in the congregation, and they thought that they would help us out by giving us this little book. <laughs> 75,000 baby names for the 21st century. Whoever it was that gave us this book, can I say thanks a lot? <laughs> We've only got 74,000 more names to get through. But I've got to tell you, the good thing about this book, this particular book, is it not only lists all the names, okay, but it actually it gives the meaning of those names too, which is really good if you don't want to make any big boo-boos. And the fact is, there are lots of names out there with bizarre meanings that you might not be aware of. Okay, here, let me give you a few examples. Okay, here we go. Um, Cameron. Ca any Camerons here today? Cameron means crooked nose. Did you know that? <laughs> Imagine going through life being called crooked nose. Alright, what about this one? Um, Calvin. Okay, Calvin. Little bald one. Little bald one. <laughs> Cade. Round and lumpy. Here's an interesting one. Bay. <laughs> Howler. Howler. Imagine calling a baby Howler. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, surely. All right. I, I know there will be lots of apologising to do later, but for, for now, let's go to Wade. To walk through water? That's ridiculous. All right. Um, 
James, schema, schema. <laughs> All right, last one, Jeff. Short. Short. Oh, sorry, short form of Jeffrey. Uh, so, uh, but I'm sure you've got my point. I'm sure you've realised why I'm so stressed this Christmas time. Naming a kid can be a really stressful thing to do. But you know, it's a problem that Jesus' parents never had. It's a problem that Joseph and Mary never, ever had. They knew exactly what to call their baby. They knew because an angel of the Lord came to them and told Joseph what to call his kid. Now, I wonder, do you, do you remember the story of Mary and Joseph? We're going to spend some time now going through that story. Uh, let, let me remind you, and if you want, you can follow along. You can find this story on page 681 of the small print, thinner, narrower Bibles, or 1497 of the, the fatter, large print Bibles. It's Matthew chapter 1. And remember the story, there's this young girl, she's named Mary, and she's engaged to be married to a bloke named Joseph. But before they're married, before they've been intimate, lo and behold, Joseph finds out that Mary, she's pregnant. Well, it's obvious to him what's happened here. It's obvious that she's been unfaithful. She's been with another man. But, but that's not the case at all. It's not the case at all. In fact, Mary, she's still a virgin. Now, what Joseph doesn't know about the baby inside Mary is that it's actually a work, a miracle of God, a powerful working of the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, he doesn't, he doesn't see any of this. As far as he knows, Mary, she's been unfaithful, and so now he's got to decide what to do with her. Now, back in his day, it would have been perfectly acceptable for him to, to publicly shame and humiliate Mary, uh, to ruin her life, essentially, but Joseph, he's a, quite a decent bloke. And so instead of shaming Mary, he has pity on her. And he decides, okay, just to, just to break their engagement quietly and to go on his way. He decides to divorce her, which was what was necessary to break an engagement in those days. Read with me this story, um, the beginning of it, uh, Matthew chapter 1 from verse 18. Matthew chapter 1 from verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And I guess if God hadn't stepped in at this particular point in history, then this whole story between Mary and Joseph might have ended just here. But the fact is he did step in. Uh, one night while Joseph lay sleeping in his bed, God sent an angel to him with a message. As he slept, the, the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he told him, no, don't break your engagement with Mary. Don't do that. She hasn't been unfaithful. The miracle of the baby inside her is, is a miracle of God. And then he told Joseph that when this baby, baby was born, he was to give him a particular name, a special name, not any ordinary name. It had to be this particular name. He was to give him the name Jesus. Why? Well, the angel says it's because he will save his people from their sins. Read with me from verse 20. Verse 20. 
But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. See, no need for a, a baby name book here. No, by, by divine command, this baby was to be called Jesus. Jesus. But why? Why do you think? Why, why do you think it was so important that this particular baby be given this particular name? What is the significance of this name Jesus, do you think? Well, the fact is it's quite significant. In fact, this name actually tells us a lot about the person who's going to bear this name. It tells us a lot about his mission in life and it tells us a lot about his identity. Let's think first of all about his mission. What does this name tell us about this child's mission in life? Well, the fact is, if you do go home and you get one of these baby name books and you look up the name Jesus, you'll see there that his name does mean God saves. God saves. See, that's what Jesus means. God saves. So, according to his name, uh, he's all about saving. He's all about rescuing. In fact, that's what the angel said, didn't he? He said that this baby was to be called Jesus for the very reason that he will save his people, save them from their sins. And so the first thing to notice about this name Jesus is that it actually reveals the mission of this baby, his purpose in life. It's to save people, rescue them. You see, if I go down the beach this summer, um, as I hope to, if I see a big building and there on the side of it is, is a name, it says Surf Life Saving Club. If I see a building with that name written on the side, see, I know what the people inside that building are on about. I know their mission. The name on the side of the building gives it away. They're on about saving people, saving drowning people. Their name gives it away. We see in the same way when this baby is given the name Jesus, we're, under, we're to understand that in terms of what he's on about in terms of his mission, his purpose, he too will save people. He will save them from their sins. The funny thing is, though, I reckon, I reckon if I went out and I sort of polled the people of Chatswood, I reckon if we asked them the question, what was Jesus' primary mission in life? What do you think he was primarily on about? I reckon we'd get a whole array of answers. A whole variety of answers. I reckon there would be some people that would say, well, Jesus was primarily on about teaching us to love one another. We, we would get people who would say that he was primarily on about um, providing us with, with a moral example of life. Others would say that he was on about standing up for the poor and the oppressed. Others still would say that he wanted to show us the power of God through miracles. But you know what? Although all of these things did form a part of what Jesus was on about, none of them were really his primary mission in life, his primary purpose. See, it's a bit like 
how a, a surf life-saving club, you know how sometimes they've got um, like little shops, little canteens, kiosks, where they sell pies and, 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 and hot dogs and, and ice creams and things like that. You see, that might, it might form a part of what they do, but it's not what they're primarily on about. No, they, their name tells us what their primary purpose is. They're, they're a surf life-saving club. They're primarily on about saving lives. Well, it's the same with Jesus. He might be on about teaching us to love one another and standing up for the poor and the oppressed, etc., etc. But primarily, he was on about saving people. It says so right there in his name, Jesus. God saves. But what do you think it means that Jesus' primary mission in life was to save people from their sins? What does that mean? What does it mean to be saved from your sins? Well, according to the Bible, uh, sins is something that we all have. It's something that we all do. Uh, sins, they're those times in our lives when we, we break God's rules, when we ignore him. Uh, sins are those times in our lives when we live life on our own terms, our own way, without any reference to God. You know, even though he created us, even though we're responsible to him, the Bible says that this is what our sins are and it says that all of us have done this, that we've all committed sins. But the Bible says that that's also a big, big problem because it says that one day God is going to judge all people and, and anyone who's ever sinned, well, they're going to be eternally punished. I'm talking about hell and it's an awful thought, a terrible thought. But the Bible says that all people everywhere have sinned, me, you, all of us. And that's what we all deserve, hell. So I'm sure you can understand then the significance of what the angel is now saying here when he says that this baby, this baby is to be called Jesus, named Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. He's the means of people being rescued from hell. Somehow, this kid will grow up and save people from hell, rescue them from eternal punishment. See, it's really significant what this angel is now saying. And of course, we know that that's where the Easter story comes in. That this, this baby, this Jesus, he, he grew up 33 years after he was born. He died on a cross. But there he took the place of us sinners. There on the cross, he became our representative, taking upon himself our, our judgment, our sins. See, there he, he suffered hell instead of us, leaving us now with no more debt to pay. He did it because that was his life's mission. That was his primary purpose of life. His very name tells us that. But if the name Jesus tells us about his mission, you know what? It also tells us about his identity. It tells us about who he actually is. I don't know if you realise this. I don't know if you picked up on it as we uh, read through earlier on. But there is something quite extraordinary in what the angel says to Joseph. Did you pick up on it? Read with me again verse 21. Verse 21 where the angel said, She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus... Because he will save his people from their sins. 
Okay, now think about that for a moment. This baby is to be called Jesus, which means God saves. And the reason given is because he will save his people from their sins. It's a bit confusing, isn't it? I mean, who's doing the saving here? Is it God? Or or is it Jesus? It seems like a bit of a contradiction. Well, I think the next part of our story actually helps us understand what's going on here. Because we're told that this whole story concerning the the, the naming of Jesus actually happened in order to fulfil a prophecy. A, A prophecy that came through the prophet Isaiah some 750 years before the birth of Jesus. See, at that time, the prophet Isaiah, he prophesied that there would be a day when when God himself would come and save his people. That he would be not only born, but get this, born to a virgin, this is 750 years before Jesus was born, and he said that this child would be given the name Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. Read with me from verse 22. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so you see, now, this moment in history, the birth of Jesus, it had been prophesied some 750 years before it actually happened. And the writer of our story, he puts two and two together and he realises that the Emmanuel being referred to there by the prophet Isaiah 750 years earlier was actually Jesus. That Jesus is Emmanuel. That Jesus is God with us. That Jesus is no less than God himself. God come to live with us, born into the world, born as a flesh and blood baby. That's why Christians have uh, called Jesus Emmanuel for the last 2,000 years. Because we believe that he is truly God. Truly God, come to be with us. And that, you see, is why the angel could tell Joseph to give this baby a name which means God saves, and then at the same time say that he will save his people from their sins. Because, you see, there's no contradiction here. No contradiction because Jesus and God are the same. They're one in the same. It is an extraordinary thought. Extraordinary to think that not only would would God leave the glory of heaven to, to come and live here among us, to put on flesh and blood and live like us, but also extraordinary to think that he would come and do that with the primary purpose of saving the very people who have rebelled against him, sinned against him, come to now stand in their place and die on a cross and face the punishment that they deserve. It is an extraordinary thought. But it's all there contained in his name, Jesus. God saves. God saves. Of course, when you think about it, it's really the only way that that we could be saved through God himself. Imagine for a moment if Jesus was just some ordinary bloke. As we've already heard, the Bible says that all people everywhere are sinners. Now imagine if Jesus was just an ordinary sinner like you and me. Well, that would put him in the same predicament as you and me. 
That would make him a sinner. No, 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 no. If I'm down the beach this summer and I'm out in the ocean and I find myself in trouble, if I find myself drowning, then I can tell you I'm not going to find my hope of rescue in the person that's drowning beside me. Someone outside of my predicament is what I need. My only hope of rescue can be found in someone who isn't drowning. So friends, do you see how our only hope of being saved from our sins was in the coming of someone from outside, outside our predicament? Someone without our problem of sin. No ordinary person would do here. And so God himself, he he took on flesh and blood and he became one of us. He became like us in every way, except for our sin. Jesus, you see, is our only means of being saved. Saved from hell. Saved to heaven. And yet, you know, I reckon again, if we were to go out into Chatswood, and if we were to poll the people of Chatswood and ask them, how do you get to heaven? How do you avoid hell? And, and how do you get to heaven? I reckon again, there'd be a whole array of answers. I reckon there, there, there would be many people who would say something like this. They would say, well, you know, if I, if I just try and be a better person, if I, if I try and stop sinning, if I just try and be the best person I can, well then, that's how you avoid hell, that's how you get to heaven. But you know, the fact is, that would be like, that would be like a drowning man thinking that he can save himself by, by just thrashing around a bit more. I reckon there'd be other people who would say, well, you know, if I, if I rely upon the teaching of this guru or that guru, if I follow this person, that person, if I do what they say, if I follow them, rely on them, then I'll be saved. But, you know, to do that, to, to expect another sinful human being to save us, well, that's a bit like a drowning man clinging to another drowning man, expecting him to save them. No, in the end, they both drown. No, friends, as sinners, we have only one hope. One hope. God himself. God in the person of Jesus. The one who has come from outside. The one who has never sinned. But the one who has come to save us from our sins. And so what do we do now? How do we respond to all of this? How do we respond to this message about Jesus? Well, I think we respond in trust. We respond in trust. In other words, we believe the message and we act upon it. In fact, I think we need to be a little bit like Joseph. Joseph, who, who woke up from his sleep, recalled what the angel said. He believed it and he acted upon it. You know what he did when he woke up from his sleep? He went and he married Mary, just as the angel had told him to. And then when the baby was finally born, you know what he did? He gave him, gave him the name Jesus, just as the angel told him to do. Read with me from verse 24. 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. And so you see, Joseph, he believed this message about Jesus and he acted upon it. He responded in trust. 
And I think that's the way that we're supposed to respond to this message today too. Trust. If you're out at the beach this summer, find yourself in trouble out in the water and somebody holds out their hand to you, they paddle, they paddle out to you and give you their hand, say, take me, I'll save you, you'd have to make a decision. Do you trust that person or don't you? Do you take their hand or don't you? Well, it's the same with Jesus. Friends, this very day, Jesus is offering you his hand. He's saying, take it. I'll save you. So what are you going to do? Friends, this Christmas, it's true. I'm quite stressed. I'm stressed about the name that we're going to give this little baby that's on its way. But I can tell you one thing that I am not stressed about this Christmas. Not stressed about it all. I am not stressed about my eternal future. I'm not stressed at all. I'm not stressed about going to hell. I'm not stressed about missing out on heaven. I'm not stressed about being judged for my sins, even though I am a sinner. Not because of anything that I have done, but simply because I have put my trust in the one whose primary mission was to come and save a sinner like me. In the one, the only one, who was able to do it. The one with the identity of God himself. Friends, his name is Jesus. And he's my Lord and Saviour. And I hope that this Christmas, you'll make him your Lord and Saviour too. Please pray with me. Dear God, we do want to thank you. Thank you so much for being born into this world as one of us and for doing what none of us sinners could do for ourselves. Thank you that you have saved us from our sins, saved us from an eternity of hell and saved us to an eternity of heaven. Dear God, please fill us with joy this Christmas and always at the thought of what you have done for us. For we pray in the extraordinary name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen.